everybody, it's the little things that can make or break success in business and life, right? Like showing up on time, really listening to others, and of course, good body language. We're going to be talking about it coming up next on the Matt Townsend Show right after the news. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. At least 14 people are injured at Lone Star University in the Houston area following a stabbing rampage. Two of the victims are in critical condition and authorities have a suspect in custody. The campus has been sealed off. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is getting the FBI involved with a recent audio leak from a re-election strategy meeting. Campaign officials say whoever recorded the meeting did so without consent and should be subject to criminal investigation. McConnell also announced today his plan to join a Republican-led filibuster against the Senate gun control bill, which is set for an initial vote this Thursday. Democratic Majority Leader Harry Reid says he hopes Republicans will stop trying to shut down debate in response to the filibuster threat. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo proposed new measures today aimed at stopping political corruption in the state following the arrest of multiple state politicians for attempting to rig the New York City mayoral race. A new study shows surviving melanoma is still not enough to convince people to start using sunscreen. More than a quarter of the people who beat the deadliest form of skin cancer still never use any form of sunblock. World News North Korean leaders once again are threatening thermonuclear war, warning foreigners to get out of South Korea in anticipation of a conflict. South Korean officials do not seem phased as economic activity and flight schedules remain normal. A 6.3-magnitude earthquake rocked Iran today, killing at least 30 near the country's only nuclear plant. State-run media says the plant was not damaged by the quake. And funeral, funeral proceedings for former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher are set for April 17th, following her death at the age of 87 yesterday. Both houses of Parliament have called a recess to pay tribute to Thatcher tomorrow. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. Your relationship coach, your guide on the side. What we try to do on this program is give you and your loved ones a healthier, happier life, a leg up in this crazy thing we call Earth. Welcome to the program, everybody. We've got a great show for you. I'm just looking at the greatest people uh, non-verbally trying to affirm and validate each one of them. And it is. is it we working? are perceiving it. Is it working? All the way. You the wrinkles it? in your forehead are like... I'm trying to lift an eyebrow like with curiosity, but I don't know I how. I don't think it's working, Matt. <laughs> I don't have a lot of control over my face for some reason. You should really stop that Botox. Can you? It really... Like the freezing, <gasps> the paralyzing of your... That's don't you weird. hate it? But you look yeah. like a baby's bottom, right? There you go, right? Nice <laughs> my and forehead looks soft like a baby's and... bottom. It really is a sad day when um, supposedly 90% of our communication is nonverbal. And we need to work on that today because I think we're miscommunicating. And you know what I think is also kind of weird with that? What? 90%. That was the stat, right? 90% is nonverbal. But think of how much it is over text and over, 
you know, the internet. So talking to people is very important. I totally agree. I totally agree. And um, text, I think, is even worse. It's hard to get your nonverbal facial expressions in on a text mm-hmm. unless you use one of those silly little emoticons. But there are only so many. There's like smiley face, winky face. But have you noticed? I'm not, I don't know how to use those because I don't know where they go, where they come from. Does that make sense? Like I know how to take a colon and a parentheses and make a smiley face. But my wife can actually turn it into an actual smiley face on her phone. She, she has hundreds of emoticons. It, I don't. It just depends on your software. Really? Yeah. How can she have hundreds? There's only four or five emotions yeah. to begin with anyway. No. no Happy, no. sad, no. sleepy, there's, and there's, hungry. But there's kissy face. There's heart. There's double heart. There's heart attack. The tongue sticking out. There's a tongue sticking out. And like all the different angles. There's cross-eyed. There's green, which but means there was only seven dwarves, and one of them was named Doc because they ran out of emotions. Well, yeah. That's – I think there's more, Rob. There's more than just the seven. Yeah, one was Doc, though, huh? Grumpy, was, sad, sleepy. Like yeah. that really like screams of you know the creativity that was in that room. Like we have seven. We need seven roles. We need seven, but we can only Doc. The one guy in the back was yeah. just like Doc. Can you not do come that? up with another emotion? <laughs> Let's do Doc. Well, that's because the next uh, the we uh, need Doc dwarf named Flabbergasted. Yeah, that was a, that's a hard emotion to pull off. Too many syllables in that. Yeah. Name. Did they have a stinky? They should have. Why not, right? See, but they have emoticons with all That's of not an emotion. Well, sure. Neither is Doc. That's a sense. You know? Is it? Mm-hmm. Huh. So, but Dopey, that's my favorite one. Is Dopey an emotion? Yeah. When you're feeling kind of... Oh, Dopey's just somebody know. that's dopey. It's, isn't that like a state of being? Like, yeah. This guy is dopey. It's, or is it like an educational level? Wasn't there right? a sneezy and a sleepy? Yeah. Those aren't emotions <laughs> either. So they were I think major- the majority of the dwarves weren't So I think emotions. what we've decided is that uh, the people in Disney in like the, what, the 50s? Was it 50s? Yeah, probably 50s. Um, they were terrible at hey, making characters. Let's also be real. <laughs> you guys... Snow White was the 30s. Was it? Yeah. Oh, she's old. <laughs> but you know, but you know, you all know Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It's not real. What? But it's not real. Thankfully, that was just uh, that's just a story. Don't you know? be afraid of apples, people. It's not real. You're fine. No, no, it is. It, it is real. It Matt. even made that murder trial in Arizona. They just did an entire defense of Snow White. Was she an abused woman? Hmm. Hmm. It really did. It was a huge part of this major murder trial where someone's going to be put to death. And some of the discussion was around Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And the verdict is uh, Snow White going behind bars? Snow White's guilty. Guilty of living with seven tiny men with weird habits. And poorly chosen names. Yes. Because they didn't. They pay seem attention. like aliases. That that's what I think of. I'm sneezy. Sure you are. Sure you are. What's really the problem? Yes, we don't even want to go there. That's how good of a family show we are. We don't even go where everyone else would go. So on the show today, we're talking about uh, nonverbal communication and the importance, the power of communication, and learning some of the truths—the good, the bad, the ugly—about actual nonverbal skills, nonverbal tools, body language, stuff like that. So we're going to be getting into that a little bit later. We're going to be bringing on a Dr. Gary Gennard, who is a public speaking expert. He's going to give us some rules. He's going to help us kind of blow up some myths. There's some myths about, uh, you know, 
nonverbals. For example, if you sit with your arms crossed across your chest and you're looking at somebody, what does that say? Like Rob's doing it to me right now. What does that say? The Rob, myth. Arms are tired. Right. Arms are tired. You may you look bored. Okay. No, cold. It could be on. Well, hey, you know, we had a cold snap where we are right now. Yes. And it was 35. Yeah. The, earlier today, so it was it cold could outside. Be you're cold. It could, could be you're judging me. Could be. Usually is no. So that's kind of the myth is that somebody's mad. That's what the myth is. We're blowing it up. Boom! Blow it up. If only I had an explosion sound right now of some... There it is. That was pretty good, huh? That was really good. What was amazing is that I was sending non-verbally a signal to Skyboy, and it only took him... No, that was, 12... that was verbal. If only we had an explosion sound right now. <laughs> no, I know. That, that's where I went. So when the non-verbals don't work anymore, we go to verbal. Uh, hmm. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. Well, that's because the only nonverbal cue you have is to point your finger like, and now. I'm like, and then <laughs> big Sky blow goes, up. Well, what? What now? <laughs> yeah. You didn't even do that. I didn't do that. You just well, looked at me and Well, I, I'm, I'm just hoping that you'd like, take my cue. Did I say he that said, out loud? He said, blow up, sure. blow up, blow up. Yeah. To blow this up. If only. And then if, whenever I go to the, the fallback, if only, then that's, a, that's when you perk up. That's the cue. That's when I perk up. It would be great if you just anticipated the if only. Okay. You know, trying to be a professional here. Trying. That's why we need an expert. And I'm excited because we're going to learn a lot. And you know what? I'm pretty sure, Skyboy, this will get you married. Wow. Learning some of these nonverbals <laughs> is going to get you dating in a very great way. I'm not going to lie. That escalated quickly. Like we were, <laughs> we were talking nonverbal. You know, you're just, and you're getting married. It'll Skyler. get you married. I thought it was going like, to the show. help you Welcome. push the hotkeys better. But no, because no, I think get you married. I'm not sure that'll happen. <laughs> I really. When can we just turn the hotkeys around for me? I think that would be way too distracting. Too I much power. Show. I think too much power. I think those hotkeys would be going off every five seconds. <sighs> Have you noticed that I actually make up some of my own sound effects? Yeah. Yeah. We should save those and make hotkeys for those <laughs> so that we can use them in the future. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Well, uh, good stuff. So nonverbal skills we're learning today. A little bit of the um, body language we're going to try to teach. It's always hard to do that over the radio. But because we are highly trained professionals, that well, I'm sure will come out. We're also going to talk to Dr. Gary Gennard. We're going to be uh, hearing from Bryce Tobin, the five signs that you might be socially messed up. I don't know that that's the words that he used, but we're going to give you a quiz. So if you've been wondering if you're a little socially off or if you know the people around you are, this is the time to gather them around. We're going to give you a little quiz after this. Uh, when we take our first break, when we come back, we'll give you a quiz on that one. And um, what else are we going to learn? Anything else? I know we got a, we got a good show. This is a good show. So uh, anybody got some news for me? Anything going on? Social, uh, nonverbal communication is only as good as your social expertise and savvy that you have in real life. Right. So you're so uh, if I'm not very good or effective uh, at being able to read it, then it doesn't matter if you give me nonverbal cues. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you're making mistakes in your verbal, right. nonverbal, you know, if you make the mistake verbally, you're going to make the mistake nonverbally yeah. and vice versa. It's I just, believe that. It's just understanding. And there's no better place to find bad examples of that <laughs> than the internet. The interweb. It's a big popular website. People post 
stuff all the time and leave comments on it. It's almost become the world's largest message board. What is it? Reddit. Reddit. Okay. On Reddit, you've probably, and you've seen these on Facebook or inevitably somewhere you've seen a meme. And a meme is a picture somebody posts. They put some text on it and to make a cute little saying or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes these memes take a life of their own where a certain picture gets reused again and again and again. And one of them is called the confession bear. It's Ooh. just a picture of a bear with a big frowny just face. Just a cute bear with a frowny face. And somebody confesses to something like Oh, but they all use the same bear. Use the same bear. So it has kind of a unifying theme. Okay, that's cute. So like uh, I stole the last piece of pizza. Exactly. Trivial day-to-day things. Cute that, confession bear. You know, saw the last pizza piece of pizza, took it, then hid the box so nobody knows I took the last piece oh, of pizza. Okay. That sort of thing. And then you post it on your Facebook page so everybody knows. Yeah. Hypothetically. So, so it's kind of, you know, or you post it anonymously onto sites like Reddit. Yeah. So people can like it and comment on it. I like it. Also, they can I've, relate. I've never done know? it, but it's a great – so. It's like a confessional mm-hmm. without religion. Here's where the confessional gets out of hand. Uh-oh, what happened? When somebody posted, my sister had an abusive meth addict boyfriend. I killed him with his own drugs while he was unconscious and unconscious, and they ruled it as an overdose. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Cricket. You can imagine for a moment Cricket. the uh, warning f- flags that went up and the alarms and klaxons of Oh going, man, this this isn't good. So oh. almost right away, yeah. that that got tossed into the FBI uh, tip hotline. Page. Hey Larry, you might want to look into this one. <laughs> Apparently, he helped an addict OD on his own drugs. Well, here's part two of the internet. <sighs> yeah, you can go back and look at people's history of other things they've posted, and concerned people seeing this discovered his birthday, his job history. Military rank. Oh, wow. Where he lived. From there, they found another account which led him to their, his Facebook. So they found his pic, a photo, photograph of him. <laughs> and, and nobody knows if he's joking or serious. But whatever we do know, he's socially messed up. Rule number one, don't commit a murder. <laughs> yeah. But the real number one. Great advice. <laughs> don't post jokes about murder. Period. Yeah, this gentleman now has the FBI coming after him. And even if it was all a joke, it's inevitably going to involve probably sitting in some interrogation room somewhere for a length of time. And See, doesn't that just go unsaid? I mean, it's kind of like, hey, rule number two, don't talk about guns, bombs, or flammable things at with the, the TSA at the yeah. airport. Yeah. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Rule number three. Hey, don't pretend to have a gun when you're near the president. I can keep going. Oh, that got a <laughs> – All a, day long. TV reporters have to be careful about that because the terminology you use in television, oh, shoot that, shoot this. Oh, yeah. That's great. Point so, at the president. Hey, can you guys shoot that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, shoot the president as he comes down Get the stairs. Him. No, 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 I meant with the camera, with the camera. See, <laughs> you know, you're on the ground by then. Yeah. Social skills, they're important. Hey, here's another one. Rule number four. Don't eat a hamburger, McDonald's or not. Don't eat it if it's been under your seat more than two months. Mm, yeah, I think that's a pretty general, or even widely known. 12 hours. But see, 12 hours. You know I, what? If it goes under there, you just don't touch it. You throw it away. Yeah. 
Ten second rule. No, no, no. Well, no. You don't just – you always look at it first. Oh, my goodness. If you drop, for example, some fries under your seat, you don't just pull them out and eat them because of ten seconds. You've got to clear it. Hello. You guys are such boys. (laughs) Matt, this is coming from the guy who used to lay underneath on the floor and catch bologna off the ceiling. But I'd catch it on my face. Yeah, and I'm sure there was particles from the ceiling on the other side. Are you and kidding? Our it. ceiling was impeccable. <laughs> I bet there was like our gross bacteria never. growing up there from How the bologna. How bacteria get up there? Yeah, from <laughs> the bologna. <laughs> yeah, but the bacteria is on the bologna. It's not on my uh, ceiling. I'm getting so grossed out my by this. My ceiling was so clean you could eat off of it. You just wash it down with a cup hey. of melted cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Cup of cheese. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I can't believe you're being rude about that because that was my childhood. That was a cup of cheese. By the way, last night, um, guess what I did? What, Matt? So I think I told you this. Did I tell you this? We went to to Hawaii. You might have mentioned it. Last night? Yeah, a week ago. No, like two weeks ago. Well, when we went, we left the kids in charge. And we came back. And you know what? No one was dead. Great news. And um, <laughs> then we just got a water bill. Okay? <laughs> like our water bill, I think, is like normally, I think, 40 or $50, I think. It was like $140. So I'm wondering, like when we were gone, did you guys throw like a big water balloon party? Is what I'm <laughs> asking my kids. And they're like, no. Well, lo and behold, we had a toilet that was running, a running toilet, you know, that never stopped running. Well, it actually did if you would you know, play with the handle, it would fix itself. Well, apparently our kids let it run for like a week. (laughs) The week you were gone. Yeah. And we got the bill yesterday. And so when you get a bill that's like three times larger than the normal bill, I'm like, I better take care of that. So I, I fixed the toilet last night. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Because really, I didn't. By the way, this is the first time you've ever hit a button quickly. And you nailed it. That deserved it. Well, and just so you know, I'm not done. Oh, boy. Um, because, yeah, I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> so I got the toilet thing done. It's just now I got to connect the water thing to the toilet thing. And it's still leaking. <laughs> So, you know, we're down a toilet. <laughs> so you didn't fix it. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I kind I almost fixed it. Now now all I have to fix is the water connected to the toilet and then we'll have it done. It's like duct tape? Or, yeah. 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 Well, I tried duct tape. Doesn't that's not how you do it. It's water. Water can get through anything. So I'm just letting you know. I want you to remind me tomorrow and I'll fill you in on the great adventures of toilet uh, and plumbing issues. Okay? <sighs> that was embarrassing. It's okay, Matt. Thank you. You know, I I really, I'm, I'm sure that your family appreciates your efforts. I love how you're validating me. Yeah. And I love your eyes got really big non-verbally <laughs> trying to validate how great I am trying to help my family. That's what we're talking about on the show today. We're talking the nonverbal cues. Are you very good at them? Do you have somebody around you that just is not very good at social skills? They don't know what they shouldn't say, when they shouldn't say it. 
listen to the show. We're going to be giving you some tools on body language and learning to listen to others. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back after this on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The power of crowdsourcing applied to exploring the red planet. Learn how to become a citizen scientist. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Crowdsourcing is a process where like-minded folks get together over the Internet to support a particular activity on the principle that a few thousand heads are better than one to solve a problem. It's been applied to projects like searching for extraterrestrial life, folding proteins, and other scientific projects that need a lot of concentrated brain power on a budget. Now, a website called Fourth Planet needs your help exploring and mapping Mars. The Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter's high-resolution camera has taken millions of pictures, more than any one person can analyze in a lifetime. But over 56,000 volunteers are going over images of the Martian South Pole to mark and identify features that will help model planetary wind patterns and explain strange ground markings from geysers of carbon dioxide vapor. So far, volunteers have looked over and classified well over 3 million images. Volunteer sites like Planet4.org show that you can get personally involved in science, making useful contributions on a micro and macro level while having fun, too. Crowdsourcing projects deputize all of us into becoming citizen scientists, no matter what our day jobs are. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. International affairs can affect our daily lives far more than we realize. Gain detailed knowledge of world events by attending lectures from the Kennedy Center here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The Kennedy Center will keep you current with solutions to the most pressing worldwide concerns suggested by top scholars from BYU and abroad. Tune in weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern for Notes from the Kennedy Center. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about your nonverbal communication. An obviously essential part of all conversation and communication is the body language. But there's even more to it than that, right? Um, Our producer, Madison Alfredo, a.k.a. Madison Allred, has prepared a piece about a very important aspect of noncommunication called proxemics, which is about your proximity to others. Let's listen. With today's topic, for some reason, an experience is brought to my mind. I heard this one theory discussed in an English class, that the more comfortable you are with a person, the closer you will stand together. I was not sure if it was true or not, so I decided to conduct an experiment. I kept this in the back of my mind for a while and was trying to evaluate how close I would naturally stand next to people. For the general part, it kind of went along with what I heard, until this anomaly. While walking in between classes, I met two team members from my water polo team, and we were talking while the other people milled around us. After the crowd had died down, we stayed in our positions and did not really think a thing about it, until a random person walking by said, Hey, uh, you guys are standing pretty close to each other. We looked around and realized that we were within about six inches of each other, and before we just thought that it was natural and normal. So I wanted to know why. Why did I feel that comfortable with them, and not with others. In all the times that I had noticed this, 
That was the closest that I had been to anyone. So it turns out that the correct term for the study of personal space is called proxemics. According to Edward T. Hall, a cultural anthropologist, we have four different spheres of comfort levels. Your public sphere is about 12 to 25 feet, and it's typically what you use for public speaking. Next is your social space, about 4 to 12 feet, where you interact with acquaintances. Personal space is one and a half to four feet, and it's used for good friends or family members. And intimate is pretty much touching to 18 inches. So evaluating my previous situation. My teammates were inside my intimate space. Why was I used to that? Why was I comfortable with them being that close? As I continued to research, I found out that these measurements are true of the U.S.'s culture, but there can be slight variation and it changes depending on your country. Also, it can depend on your social situation and your socialization. I then figured out that my teammates and I lived in two different cultures. The normal one, I guess you could say, and then the water polo culture. In water polo, because it is a contact sport, you normally have to get into each other's faces. So for this, our personal space with each other is drastically shrunk to where we are very comfortable with each other. Also, we would only do that with other water polo players. It's not like we would just come up to a random person and stand talking to them a foot away. Also, it turns out that this is true for other sports, whether they are contact or non-contact, and also for other activities where you have to break the traditional bounds of personal space. I also found out that this idea of the different sizes of personal space is very true depending on other countries. When I went to Germany, their personal space is smaller than the U.S. It took a bit to get used to someone talking so close to you. Even within the U.S., there are some variations depending on where you live. If you think about it, if a person grew up in a country, they're used to living pretty far away from their neighbors and driving in a big car, so they might have a pretty generous personal space. Compare that to the person living in Brooklyn who takes the subway; they would probably be more comfortable with being close to each other. I wonder what would happen if they were brought together and had to socialize, or let's say they were in a relationship. Would there be some problems? I'm figuring that there might be, but I sure don't know how to solve them. So I guess that's good that later on we are bringing on an expert to talk about verbal and nonverbal communication. Yes, it is true, and that explains a lot, Madison.、Mm-hmm. Because when you came on our team, you were always like jockeying for position, <laughs> like a water polo player, and I, I could never、not. figure out why you'd always like grab people by the neck and dunk them under a table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now yeah, I didn't know you did water polo. That's wonderful,、mm-hmm. but it does explain the closeness. Yeah, but I like I said it also for other sports like football. Well, football is not as much. It's kind of occasional. Yeah, but like rugby. Yeah, or, where just you know even soccer on, where、wrestling. you wouldn't. Yeah,、mm. mm-hmm. or even like dancing when or other activities when you're used to being close to other people. Yeah, you know it's a different culture. It's. Proxemics is the study of. So remember the show on Seinfeld where they had the close talker,、mm-hmm. and the guy would just step in your space. He reminds us a lot of Sky Boy, because <laughs> we had to put Sky Boy on the other side of an, a really big table to keep him away. How Sky Boy? Ah,、uh, yes. Do you do you relate? <laughs> He's a little close. Do you relate to close talker? I actually I actually hate close talkers. Do you hate people? I hate that come in. if you can smell like... their breath. It's time to back off. Wait, wait.、Yeah. How how is this, Skylar? Am I too close to you? You're across the table. What? No, I'm sitting right next to you. Weird. 
Just kidding. I mean, I'm watching the whole thing. <laughs> it's. A... I really, I really can't stand close okay, talkers. What, it what drives if, me crazy. But what if it's your girlfriend? What if it's your? What if it's someone you're interested in? Then do you like close talkers? Yeah, then I do. Unless, unless we've just eaten. Like oh, if, if there's bad breath, like I can't stand it. What if it's good breath, but it smells like what you just ate? Did well, I can't think of anything that would smell good after we just ate. Good point. So uh, cinnamon. Mm. I love the smell of cinnamon rolls, but I don't know if I love the smell of cinnamon roll breath. Yeah, I'm with you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm totally with you. And I don't know where we're going to, but close talkers <laughs> is one key. So if you have a friend out there and they're a close talker, do they not get the clue that when they take a step forward, you take a step back? Are they not picking up that feedback loop? Because if not, they've, they're socially messed. They've got to learn this. So that's... What we're going to be talking about. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have a little uh, visit from our expert, Dr. Gary Gennard, is going to be talking to us. He's going to teach us about communication and how to become an exceptional communicator with your nonverbal, how to read people better. We're going to break up some myths. That's after this on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. There isn't a better way to listen to music than from a live concert. But let's be honest, no one can make it to a concert every night. So on Highway 89, we bring you music like you're actually there at the concert with front row seats. We aren't playing some doctored up recording and there are no do-overs. Instead, we bring raw music straight from our studio to you. Tune in weeknights at 10 p.m. Eastern to Highway 89 on BYU Radio. Talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Authorities say they have a student in custody who is suspected of stabbing 14 people at Lone Star University near Houston today. At least four of the victims had to be airlifted to local hospitals. Following the release of audio from a private campaign strategy meeting, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is getting the FBI involved. Campaign staffers say the audio was recorded without permission and those responsible should be suspect, subject excuse me, to criminal investigations. Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid was focused on the gun control bill today, invoking the memory of his father's suicide on the Senate floor to urge lawmakers to pass tighter restrictions. The bill is set for an initial vote this Thursday. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo proposed new measures today aimed at stopping political corruption in the state following the arrest of multiple state politicians attempting to rig the New York City mayoral race. A new study shows surviving melanoma is still not enough to convince people to start using sunscreen. More than a quarter of people who beat the deadliest form of skin cancer still never use any form of sunblock. In world news, South Korean officials do not seem phased by continued threats of nuclear war from the north as economic activity and flight schedules in Seoul remain normal. Today, North Korean leaders warned all foreigners to leave the south in anticipation of a conflict. A 6.3-magnitude earthquake rocked Iran today, killing at least 30 near the country's only nuclear plant. State-run media says the plant was not damaged by the quake. And funeral proceedings for former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher are set for April 17th, following her death at the age of 87 yesterday. Both houses of Parliament have called a recess to pay tribute to Thatcher tomorrow. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall.
Welcome back. Just shot a few lasers there. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about, you know, your social skills, your communication skills, your ability to not be so awkward. You know, we got into a little bit of the proxemics, how close you stand to somebody or not stand. You know, that's a big deal. And uh, what we're going to do now, we asked Bryce, we sent him out on a special assignment. Our own Bryce Tobin has put together the top five signs that you might be socially awkward. Listen up. So some of these are a little subtle, others are not. But throughout this, the key is awareness. A lot of social awkwardness lies in not being aware of what others are doing or not being aware of what you're doing. So number one having the wrong effect on people. Let's say you're recounting a funny anecdote from your past, then you get to the end of the story and deliver the punchline, and the person says something like, oh, I'm so sorry. You might have some awkwardness. It could be that you miss cues like, this is telling sad stories hour, or that the person wasn't really paying attention. Or it could be that all of your nonverbal communication was saying that this was a sad story. But if you find yourself often thinking, hmm, that's not at all what I was getting at, you might be socially awkward. Number two, there's lack of conversation flow. You get talking with someone, it's your first time really getting to talk to them, and you go through the three standard questions. What do you do for a living? Where'd you go to school? And where'd you grow up? You might have some variation on this, but the goal is the same. Let's get started talking and see if some very general questions can point us to a topic that's a little more worthwhile. But if you notice that conversations tend to die after your starter questions, you might be socially awkward. Or there's the flip side of this. There's communication, then there's communicating. Communication is talking at someone. That's what I'm doing right now. You can't respond to me. Communicating is when I say something, then someone responds, and then I respond to their response, on and on. Now, this one takes a lot of awareness, but if you notice a pattern of dominating conversations or not getting much response, or let's say you have a friend who knows a lot about you, but you know virtually nothing about them, you might be a rambler. Number three, there's what I call the Darcy effect. This is a reference to Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Our protagonist, Elizabeth, meets a guy named Mr. Darcy, and here's her first impression of him. The gentleman pronounced him to be a fine figure of a man. The ladies declared he was much handsomer than Mr. Bingley, and he was looked at with great admiration for about half the evening, till his manners gave a disgust which turned the tide of his popularity. For he was discovered to be proud, to be above his company, and above being pleased. And not all his large estate could then save him from having a most forbidding, disagreeable countenance, and being unworthy to be compared with his friend. Pretty rough, huh? Later on in the book, we find out that he's a pretty good guy. He's just the type of person who'd rather keep to himself. He didn't have strong feelings one way or another about people. But his shyness, for lack of a better word, really rubbed people the wrong way. And if this sounds all too familiar, you might be socially awkward. Number four, still not sure if you're socially awkward, do you have high blood pressure? Researchers found a correlation between what could be called socially awkward behaviors and high blood pressure. I don't have any sage advice to offer, but high blood pressure is no good, so while you work on that, that, your social life may improve. Or if you don't know what's wrong with your social life and you have high blood pressure, I think we just found the solution. And number five, are you sweaty? I know this sounds a little odd, but whether you realize it or not, some social anxiety might manifest in some extra sweating. And not to mention being around someone who is sweaty can be kind of awkward. And it gets even worse. Let's say something cool happens. This person looks at you and says, high five. They raise their hand up high only to reveal a swampy underarm. It's a vicious cycle. You're worried about your social life, so you sweat. Because you're sweaty, your social life suffers. But don't fret. 
If you think you might be socially awkward, like I said, the most important part of social awkwardness is awareness. And this lack of awareness might manifest in all sorts of ways. So be aware. It's worth it. Bryce Tobin, you did it again. Top five signs you might be socially awkward. I could have gone all day without the armpit thing. You know what? That it's was a true. little awkward for me. That's true. It's so real. Don't don't even. It's totally real. When when you see that guy with you know like the line across or going all the way down his back, you're like, yeah, uh, don't hug me. Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, we're too close. I also I didn't know high blood pressure. Yeah, that one was kind of cool. That's interesting. If you want a little science in there? So if you you could talk or you could just take people's blood pressure, right? I guess. You just, yeah, you could. Uh, I, is this is this person a little weird? Is they do they? Yeah. Well, take their blood pressure. If it's normal, then you know maybe. <laughs> and I liked your bit of advice. If you have high blood pressure and you have no friends, could be we've got the problem. Could be <laughs> you might have. Well, or it could be the fact that one of the other issues one could conversation affect the other. flow, all that. Good stuff, Bryce Tobin. Well, who now better to fix all of these questions we've created? Then our guest today, Dr. Gary Gennard, is with us. He is a performance expert who helps professionals become exceptional communicators. And this is what I love about him. He's a former stage actor, right? Now, who better to teach us about nonverbals, you know, using your body to create and to, co- and to communicate? Who better to do that than an actor? Hello. Dr. Gennard has launched an organization called Public Speaking International in 2001. That's the website you can go look up, Public Speaking International. He uh, has a weekly blog there, Speak for Success. The neat thing about him, though, he's written a couple books, How to Give a Speech. So if you're out there and you're afraid of public speaking, or another book he's written is called Fearless Speaking, The Proven Method for Overcoming Speech Anxiety and Presenting with Confidence. Uh, also, great experience in um, in theater. He has a degree in theater from Tufts University, but he's also worked at Harvard University, Boston College, Tufts. He's taught and served on the faculty of all of these um, universities. So he's the real deal, folks. Let's welcome Dr. Gary Gennard. Dr. Gennard, thanks for being with us. Matt, so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm enjoying listening to your show. Oh, thank you. And you heard the whole five keys to socially awkward, huh? I did, I did, and I must say, what I'm still trying to visualize a piece of bologna falling on my head from the ceiling. That's the that's the thing that's staying in yeah, my mind. Yeah, that's a childhood game. Yep, that's a childhood game I used to play. <laughs> Toss the bologna on the ceiling. It's it's actually really popular here in the Midwest or the Western states. Okay. Um, I'll I'll fill you in later, sadly. So, Doctor Gennard, fill us in on this because when you, I mean, we all know nonverbal important, blah blah blah, but really. This is more just about all of it, whether it's verbal, nonverbal, communication skills. This is about learning to reach people. That's all communication is, right? Well, that's absolutely true, Matt. And one of the things that we have to keep in mind when we're talking to people is that we should judge our success by whether we're reaching people and communicating with them and influencing them in ways that are positive for them as well as for us. And one of the things that happens, of course, is that we're so concerned about our performance that we have a tendency sometimes to sit outside ourselves and judge how we're doing instead of investing ourselves in the conversation and simply trying to, it's a great word, communicate with people. Well, and if you're too caught up in you, you're in you're missing the point right you are missing the goal the goal is not you the goal is them 
And so if I'm overwhelmed or consumed with how I'm feeling, how much I'm sweating, for example, in the middle of a speech, you're, you're already not focusing on what really matters. Well, that's absolutely true, and that is, of course, one of the most important things going on with people who have speech anxiety is they are paying more attention to themselves and how they're doing instead of uh, the people that they're trying to influence. So that is really an impossible situation they're putting themselves in, and of course that becomes a cycle and it becomes more and more difficult to reach people because we're not paying attention to them rather than ourselves. And, you know, that's really a, a two-way street in terms of nonverbal communication and body language because we are, when we're speaking, we tend to think about ourselves and how we're doing and the, move, the movements we're making and the gestures we're making, and we, we very often feel awkward when we're in a public speaking situation. And we'd be better off paying attention to our audience members and seeing whether they're with us, whether they're engaged or looking a little confused, looking like they're disengaged or getting a little bored. Yeah. That's the time when we really need to do something to reach out to them, and perhaps in a different way from what we've been doing up to that point. And uh, that's going to be much more helpful and help us be more successful than simply focusing on ourselves. And so it becomes uh, a trap for people who have anxiety about their own body language, because what they really need to do is forget about the, their right. body language and and become passionate about what they're saying, and then a strange thing happens, which is closely related to theater. When we are communicating and exhibiting our passion about something, then our voice, our gestures, our movement, our facial expressions, all of it falls into place, and we're quite natural, and we're actually quite interesting to listen to. You become authentic, don't you? Your, your authentic voice... Your authentic passion, your excitement comes out naturally. It's less contrived. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, the tagline of Public Speaking International is find your true voice. Mm. And what we are interested in doing, and we bring in theatrical techniques to do it, because as you mentioned earlier, actors understand better than anyone how to exhibit body language and how to move an audience with them and get them to do and uh, take the action that we want them to take. We are always interested in helping people find their true voice because that's when people are authentic and they have maximum credibility and they're worth listening to and they're enjoyable to listen to. Oh, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating to me because we could, we could get psychologists that could tell us what people are thinking and we could get sociologists that could talk about the social dynamic. We could get communication experts. But really what you're positing is perhaps the best way to learn how to reach somebody is really in like in speaking, in, in practicing public speaking or in like the art of of being an actor and, and learning to impersonate or take on roles. Well, you know, it's interesting. What I say to clients and people I train is that whatever you're speaking about in terms of presentations, you should probably spend less time putting together your content and more time learning how to be comfortable 
in the presence of other people and reaching them and making a connection with them and establishing rapport with them. Because most speakers, especially most professional speakers, have lots and lots of content at their fingertips. They're, they're already content experts. Right. But what people do, because they think they're supposed to deliver information when they give a presentation, they spend all the time putting together that content. But of course, what you're really trying to do is not deliver information. It's accomplish your purpose your purpose. Right. And you use information to do that, but you use something that's much more important, and that's yourself. Right. You are your message. You are your Was message. Was that Chomsky? Right? Somebody and, said and that. That, that. That Roger Ailes said Roger that. Roger Ailes, his, Ailes, yeah. Right. His book is You Are the Message, and it really is true that it's very difficult for an audience to separate the message and the messenger, but that's a good thing, because... Yeah. What, what is most important for that audience, they're, they're not going to remember facts and figures very much, but they will certainly remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And if you make them feel good, that means that they're going to look favorably upon you, your company, your product or service, whoever or, or whatever you represent. And you are, in fact, going to be a memorable speaker instead of the, the raw data that you're delivering simply sinking out of sight once you stop speaking. Right. And we've all seen that. We've sat there with somebody just spewing data and they lost us 30 minutes ago. But we've also seen somebody that just has the passion of what they're saying, has no idea what they're saying in 10 minutes or five minutes from now. But we buy in um, because we, I mean, it's almost like you can break every public speaking rule. And I do a lot of public speaking, but I find I can break the rules if I have rapport, because yes, you don't I'll even think about a, the rules. I'll, I'll tell you a story that is uh, uh, related to what you were just saying. I don't know if you remember Laurence Olivier, one mm-hmm. of the, the great, great actors of the 20th century, when the National Theater opened in, on the south bank of the Thames in 1956. He was playing Othello in the opening night, and... At the end of the opening night, he came backstage at the end of the performance, and someone said to him, this was the definitive performance of Othello in our time. That was absolutely magnificent, Larry. And Olivier was devastated. He said, I have no idea what I did, Hmm. and I I can't do it tomorrow night. (laughs) I can't do it again. You're right, but you see, that's, that's the perfect reason that he would be able to do it night after night after night. Yeah. He was completely absorbed with being Othello in that moment. He wasn't standing outside himself and saying, oh, my voice is tremendous tonight. Yeah. I think I'll say this soliloquy like this tomorrow night because listen how my voice is echoing. My range is wall. incredible. Right. Well, yes, right. He was completely Othello, and because of that, he had maximum authenticity, which meant that his performance really did what it needed to do. Ah, that's what I want to learn. So we're going to take a break. We're talking with Dr. Gary Gennard um, from publicspeakinginternational.com. He's a a professor. um, He's an actor. And more importantly, he gets the power of an authentic voice. We are trying to give you some tools here to have better, healthier relationships One of the first is probably to find your voice. We'll be back with Dr. Gennard to figure that out right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This spacecraft has the biggest, most powerful engine ever, the sun. 
all aboard the Sun Jammer. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. It started out as science fiction. Spacecraft powered not with rockets, but by reflected sunlight. That was 1964, when Arthur C. Clarke wrote a story called Sunjammer. Now Clarke's story is actual hardware, preparing for a NASA technology demonstration mission into space. NASA's 70-pound test craft is scheduled to hitch a ride to Earth orbit in 2014, unfurling from a dishwasher-sized package into 13,000 square feet of reflective sail, the biggest sail so far, yet weighing 10 times less than previous sails. A solar sail is a big mirror made as thin, light, and large as possible to catch solar wind. The thrust of the sunjammer only equals the weight of a sugar packet in your hand. But over time in space, that feeble push can build up to interplanetary cruising speeds using no onboard fuel. This slow but steady kind of transportation is ideal for robotic probes or cargo ships. Angling the sail lets you steer toward the sun or at angles to it. It might even be used to keep satellites in a stable parking spot in space. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Get your business in the game and sponsor Cougar Sports on BYU Radio and BYU TV. For more information, call 801-422-1448 or email corporate support at byu.edu. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about the importance of communication, obviously, but uh, maybe more importantly, nonverbal communication. For example, Skyboy just blew out a sneeze right there. Some of you couldn't even hear it, but I could see it coming for about 30 seconds as his eyes were watering, his eyes are rolling back in his head. You cannot not communicate, Skyboy. I knew the sneeze was coming. Always look to the light. And I hate when I lose my sneeze. I'll do everything I can to cling on to the sneeze. Yeah, you want to keep it because they're hard to come by. So much relief. Actually, if you want, I can show you how to get more sneezes too. Maybe after the show we can It's called dusting. I did some of that this weekend, too. Did a little dusting, and I've been sneezing a bit. We're talking with Dr. Gary Gennard. He is a performance expert who helps professionals become exceptional communicators. He's worked at universities like Harvard, Boston College, Tufts. He's, he's served there on the faculty of Emerson College. A Ph.D., for heaven's sakes, but he also understands theater, and he brings theater-based techniques to those people who are trying to influence others. So, Dr. Gennard, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Matt. I really, I think it's such a, it's such an exciting or an interesting way because I teach communication skills, but the idea of being able to actually get into theater techniques, because here's somebody standing on the front of a stage that has to reach back 30, 40, 50 seats back uh, or rows back. And uh, it's got to be a different skill set than just trying to have a presentation work. Well, you know, the poet W.H. Auden said, a great actor can break your heart at 50 feet. (laughs) It's true. And it's absolutely true. And all that the actor is doing really is externalizing what he or she is feeling so that an audience gets it. And when, when it comes to giving presentations or even in interpersonal relationships, all of us can learn those skills so that we give some expression, some physical expression, 
to what we are saying, and then the people that we're talking to can more easily understand what we mean. Yeah. Not only what we are saying, because we all know that we can say the very same thing, but with the nonverbal communication that goes under it, that the people listening to us can get a completely different meaning from that based on how we are saying what we are saying. Uh, I totally agree. And, and sometimes we get so hung up, don't we, like on what you said. No, 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 no. You're the one that said you wanted the divorce. But, and then they're like, yeah, but that's not what I meant. I was just frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you said it. Don't say you didn't say it because you said it. So that means it was your fault we're getting a divorce. It's, it's just the craziest little nuance we go through. But let's talk about body language. Um, wh- what are some of the myths? Because we hear all of these people out there spewing little truths, supposedly, about mm-hmm. what is a body language truth. You know, if somebody crosses sure. their arms across their chest, they're obviously withdrawn and angry. Right. They're not cold. Yeah. They're not cold. They're right. not a little embarrassed or shy or trying to close themselves off, whatever. I mean, there's a right. million things it could right. be, right? Right. Yes, it's, it's true that there's a lot of misinformation and shallow information out there regarding body language. And I think of three of the most common mistakes in body language, I, I would say, are these. Okay. I think the biggest one, Matt, is to make, a, make an assumption based on a single movement or gesture, and it's just related to what you just said. Yeah. If a person crosses his or her arms, then they're resisting what we say. And we hear a lot of this in terms of dating relationships, too. If she crosses her legs this way, she's interested in you. If she crosses them the other way, she's not. <laughs> if she's toying with her hair, twirling her hair, it means one thing. Yeah, she likes this, you. Let's face it, this can get get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so funny. It's almost, and it goes back to what you were saying in our last um, segment about authentic. If it's not authentic, if we're not really connected, you're just doing a technique that could get you slapped, right? Yes, and, and here's the thing, you see, communication experts understand, and, and by by what I mean by that is people who depend upon what they're seeing, like police interrogators and customs officials and cross-examining attorneys. These are people who understand what a body language that's demonstrated means, and that is they understand that one particular movement or gesture in isolation doesn't necessarily mean anything. Mm. What is important is when what is being shown or the sound of one a person speaking when that changes based on everything that's been surrounding it. So if if an interrogator, for instance, is asking a series of questions and a person has been sitting and the rhythm of their answers or their vocal expressiveness has been one thing, but one particular issue is brought up and then it all changes, then that person knows that that area might take a little more probing to find out if there's something there. Yeah, what was with the change? And and they don't even know whether there is something, but there may be something. So it's not the isolated body language, it's within the context of everything else that we're seeing. It's the eye rolling, it's the teenager standing up, flipping their head, walking away from you. It's the and culmination some, of those three changes. things. Yeah, something's and going on. You know on. it's changing in a moment of high stress or something that you might want to look into a little bit more. 
I, uh, you know, that's a great lesson. I, I teach this concept about whenever we're caught up fighting about what is being said, the, the, the content of the message, then we might really want to look at the process, um, if that makes sense. So sometimes we get so caught up on content that we're fighting. I had a couple in today that was fighting about, and they always say, I, I fight, we fight about the stupidest things. <laughs> and then I said, oh, well, apparently content doesn't matter then. Because if we're not fighting about anything smart, then the content's not the point. Maybe it's the process. So you're kind of saying the same thing. The process is sometimes just as important as what's being said. Absolutely. And how one says it and how one relates to the people you're talking to is extremely important. Mm. A couple of the other common mistakes, I think, in, in body language, one is failing to find a physical expression for what you're saying. Because we think in terms, we, we all become talking heads, and the, in the 21st century especially, that's the case, because we talk on the telephone or we speak to someone who's very close to us. In ages past, we might be speaking to the person in the next field, mm. planting the crops in the next field to us, or we may be speaking to someone in the marketplace in ancient Greece or Rome, or it, even in colonial America, where we were in public spaces and open spaces. So we brought our whole expressiveness into what we were saying. Now, because it's so easy for us to speak only with our voice going from, in essence, our brain to our mouths, which is a very short distance, we we have lost the physical expressiveness, which really gives the, the people we're talking to a sense of the the total of who, the totality of who we are and we shrink ourselves and we become less than we are because we're not giving any physical expression to what we're saying like so our I hands used you mean our hand like our hands and our head nodding and you mean and using whole our whole body to communicate yes when when i i tell clients if you have the choice if you're giving a presentation or speaking up at a meeting if you have the choice of standing or sitting always stand yeah. Even though some people find that a little more awkward than, than sitting, but when we stand, we can use our full body uh-huh. and our full expressiveness, and then that, that persona that we're presenting is a lot more powerful and dynamic than if we're sitting. As soon as we sit, we automatically remove 50% of, of the body expression. Yeah, you've lost everything from the people, waist down, I guess. That's right, that people can see, and so that's... People think, are, there's a lot of uh, speaking, I think, which is not bringing any physical expression to yeah. it, which really uh, amplifies and makes what we're saying a lot more powerful. I love that. And so, I mean, anyone out there that's listening, that is a huge tip, um, whether in speaking or just in, in one-on-one talk. Don't let anything be between you. Um, how many times have I been stuck behind a podium? And the podium mm-hmm. just feels like it's trapped me. So I literally will have a move the podium, get this away, let me get down closer to the people. Um, it's powerful. That's okay. exactly right. It, the, <sighs> a podium is a physical barrier. It's literally a physical barrier between us and our listeners, and we want to get that thing out of the way. So yeah. nothing, literally nothing comes between us and the people we're trying to influence and who are trying to influence us. Love it. And you can lean in and you can gesture and you can turn away. And there's so many things you can do. 
Dr. Gennard, we're going to come back. I want to talk to you more about this and get into some more tools about body language, speaking. What are some keys to help us find our voice? We're talking to Dr. Gary Gennard. You can find him at www.publicspeakinginternational.com. He's an expert that can help you unleash the power of the nonverbal and maybe more importantly, get you connecting to people in your life again. We'll be back. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You've just listened to part of our show. Is there anything you're wondering about? Do you have a question you need answered or a thought to share? Maybe you have a story you'd like to tell. Call into BYU Radio during one of our talk shows and chat with one of our hosts. The number is 855-CHAT-BYU. That's 855-242-8298. We'd love to hear from you. Just call 855-CHAT-BYU. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Authorities say they have a student in custody who is suspected of stabbing 14 people at Lone Star University near Houston today. At least four of those victims had to be airlifted to local hospitals. With a vote on the Senate gun control bill coming later this week, President Barack Obama is in Connecticut today, building more public support for the measure. Families of victims from the Newtown shooting will be pleading with Congress to pass the measure on Capitol Hill this week. The U.S. Navy has canceled the Blue Angels flying season this year due to the across-the-board budget cuts. While the move is not a surprise, with the program costing $40 million a year, airshow fans and the pilots themselves are all very disappointed. Following the release of audio from a private campaign strategy meeting, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is getting the FBI involved. Campaign staffers say the audio was recorded without permission and those responsible should be subject to criminal investigations. A new study shows surviving melanoma is not enough to convince people to start using sunscreen. More than a quarter of people who beat the deadliest form of skin cancer still never use any form of sunblock. In world news, South Korean officials do not seem phased by continued threats of nuclear war from the north as economic activity and flight schedules in Seoul remain normal. A 6.3 magnitude earthquake rocked Iran today, killing at least 30 near the country's only nuclear plant. State-run media is reporting the plant was not damaged by the quake. And funeral proceedings for former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher are set for April 17th, following her death at the age of 87 yesterday. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back folks to the matt townsend show we're talking communication communication are you doing it how effective of communicator are you how how effective are you at drawing in the crowd the audience in a public speech how about not even at a public speech just dinner do you ever feel like nobody at dinner listens to you well maybe it's your delivery maybe it's your voice maybe there's some body language skills we need and uh, let's go to the source. Dr. Gary Gennard is with us today. And Dr. Gennard, you know, he's taught everywhere from Harvard University to uh, 
Boston College, Tufts. He's got a doctorate in theater from Tufts University, and he's teaching us some of the tricks of the stage to be able to reach people, to get into their heart a little bit more, to build rapport with them. He's also the author of How to Give a Good Speech and Fearless Speaking, The Proven Method for Overcoming Speech Anxiety and Presenting with Confidence. Dr. Gennard, thanks for joining us again. Thank you, Matt. Good stuff, my friend. Now, fill us in on, we've been talking about the body language and, you know, how we, you got to go to more than just looking for one sign. Uh, it's, you have to read the whole context of what's being said. The body changes, the, the tonal changes, the voice, energy, all those things can be signs. What else do we need to know about body language in general and, and finding a voice of our own and, and, and helping others find theirs? Well, I think one of the things that is well worth saying is that we can all probably do a better job with eye contact and facial expressions. It's interesting that this, a lot of people don't know this, but we actually make better eye contact when we are listening than when we are speaking. Hmm. And the next time you're having a conversation with someone, think about that and and see if that's happening in your own case because when we speak our eyes sort of drift away as we're trying to remember what happened two years ago that I'm referring to and it's more likely that the person listening to us will keep more solid eye contact right. but but of course one of the things that is most helpful in anyone believing that we are honest and trustworthy and they can take what we're saying and it will be to their benefit is if we make secure eye contact, and use our face, because that's also uh, an important body language tool, and we kind of forget that the, the face is there. Oh, right. We think in terms of movement and gestures, but human beings especially uh, get a lot of information from a person's face in terms of whether they can trust that person and whether this is a relationship that they would like to continue. And I know in, in your own work, you relationships are what you yeah. do, so... Uh, you probably run across oh, this a lot in your own lot. work. In fact, I was just thinking, on even on Sirius XM, a lot of people are out there listening, and I know they listen to some of the comedy channels. And the comedy's fun to listen to, but it's even more fun to watch the faces of the comedians. And it's actually, <laughs> it's just fun. It's it's funnier when you can see the face um, pulling off the joke. Um, sometimes that that is so much more valuable. I I, I got to ask you this um, about I, I have never thought of that. But our, our average attention span is only like twenty four seconds, right? So it seems yeah. like it seems like keeping someone's attention in this day and age is hard if you're not aware of it. You know what I mean? So well, it seems like part of the key to this is you got to keep, which is probably why using your whole body is beneficial. Yes, well, that's a fascinating point, Matt, because we have been trained and we're increasingly trained to receive information visually. Mm -hmm. When we watch the news, it's not very long before a video is shown. We are... Uh, we we watch television, we watch cable channels, we we go on the internet. It's all visual, and people now not only is their attention span shrunk, but they expect to get information visually. And so, what I tell the people I work with is, what I tell my clients is, you not only have to show visuals when you are giving presentations, for instance, but you have to speak visually. 
Right. You can't always show a, vis- a visual, but you can create word pictures in the minds of the people you're talking to. I love that. I mean, think of so kids, too, huh? Of saying, oh, this, we knew this was going to be a difficult task, but we, we didn't know it would take this long or be this hard. Instead of saying that, you may say something like, well, we knew this was going to be tough, but we didn't know it would be like trudging through molasses uphill. <laughs> yeah. So you say something like that, and immediately the image pops into the brain of the person that you're talking to or the audience you're talking to. And what you have said is more vivid. They get the point with far fewer words than you would use otherwise. And it's tapping into their expectations to see things, even if it's only in their mind's eye, visually. So you're probably going to be a more effective communicator because of it. Absolutely. And that works. I mean, that seems like the way to reach your kids as well, is reach them visually where they are. Oh, yes. Yes, because of of the people that you're talking to, the chances are that your kids are going to be even more strongly visual than those of us who are a little bit older than that. Because it really is know your message or know your audience. And if you're talking to your kids, work it from their angle. If you're talking to your teens, if you're talking to your business clients or to a keynote somewhere, a speech somewhere, just know your oh, audience. Absolutely. Know your, knowing your audience is key. One of the things I say in group trainings is I usually ask, now, if I said to you that you have to give a presentation a month from now, what's your first thought? And most people say, what's my topic? What am I going to speak on? And I say, well, you know, that's an important thing for you to think of, but there's another word. It's also a small W word that's more important for you to think of first, mm-hmm. and it's not what, it's who. who yeah. Because if you know exactly who your audience is and what their needs and expectations are and what turns them on, what's going to light a fire under them, then you know what information, what content yeah. to bring in. And you'll also be in that area of which is, I'm sure, important to your work as well, which is what's the relationship that you have with these listeners or with this audience, and is something going back and forth. You know, good presentations or even conversations are not monologues. They're dialogues. Right. Most of the time, it's vocal on the part of the speaker and nonverbal on the part of the listener or audience. But, of course, this is, this is what we're talking about today is the, the importance of nonverbals. And, and it's really essential as a listener to also be cueing them that you're listening. I mean, you're still – it's funny. It's, it's almost like when you're listening, it's like you're not communicating. But listening, you have to communicate with the other nonverbally to show you're listening. Oh yes, well it's very it's very important and also it's that comes into play if you're having a phone conversation because that visual component is not there anymore. Yeah. So is the person just hearing huge chunks of dead air or are you saying mhm? Oh. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's hard on the Things radio like by that. the way cuz I I would uh, love to just let you go but then I feel like I got to say mhm. Yeah. I kind of feel like I need to keep priming you along and, yeah, you're doing great, Doc. Keep going. Yeah, well, that, that's, people, we need to hear that, our, that we're being listened to. Right. I, I think it's so basic that, I mean, babies are emoting and, and can actually pick up the emotion of their parents. Young children, like under two years of age, can read the emotions of their parents so if if we're wired to do it at two years old, we really could take advantage of it when we're fifty or forty and we're trying to, you know, sell someone a car. 
Oh, that's absolutely true, because that wiring doesn't fray. It's still there, and in fact, people, audience members, and people we're having conversations with are gaining a wealth of information from us with from things that have nothing to do with the content of what mm-hmm. we're saying. Because just as you said, that understanding and responding to how a person is uh, coming across to us precedes language, and it is also... I, I think of it as a strong undercurrent underneath language because these are um, these are responses that occurred in us in terms of evolution probably long before we were able to be articulate. Right. I mean that was survival, right? You're all the nonverbals, the intuition, and the sense of an anticipation. I mean these are all the words that we we hear in some of the research is the ability to anticipate the ability to predict and predictability and reliability of somebody else I and mean, we're we're all we're reading all of this stuff in our brain without any Absolutely. words Absolutely now now think of this if you are an audience member and you're watching uh, and listening to a presenter and this presenter is say selling a product and his or her company their product is very similar to the next company's product and the next one after that, and the price is similar as well. So what are you responding to? Basically, the content is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a different brand name, but what you're probably responding to is, would I like to work with this person? Is this a trustworthy person? And, you know, a good salesperson, the, the person who is sold something successfully by a salesperson, that person doesn't walk away saying, oh, what a great product. They walk away saying, what a nice guy he is. Right. And so what what that salesperson has done is to tap into the rapport and all of the nonverbal components that are quite apart from just the sheer information being delivered. And then there's the feeling of it, huh? right? I mean, like it's it's like picking out a, a picnic spot. Uh, if if you're at a if you're at a park and there's grass everywhere, where do you choose to sit? And it's kind of you're going to just survey the land, I guess, but you're also going to have kind of a feeling. Yeah, about right here. And there's something yeah. about right here that just feels different. And we might not even be yeah. able to explain it, huh? We just might know well, there's something different here. And that's exactly right. We might not be able to explain it consciously because these are things which are really deeper than the con the the uh, prefrontal cortex and where we where thoughts form there's a much deeper area and it's it's emotionally based because uh, this is an interesting fact as well the the uh, attentiveness as well as emotion exist in the limbic system which is the primitive brain mm-hmm. and that means that both to get an audience or people sitting around the kitchen table from you to listen and pay attention to you and be emotionally uh, responsive to you in a positive way, you are tapping it. You need to reach that limbic system in their brain, and that is completely apart from the prefrontal cortex where we process information in terms of language and analysis. Interesting. So this is a this is a key finding in terms of being a speaker, whether it's in interpersonal communication or in presentations and public speaking. We need to be 
working within that area and not only doing what many people do, which is to think, what's my topic, and spend all my time putting together the content. It's funny because we would get more obsessed in a way with the content, the tangible side of this presentation, and and just we I think we just assume the nuanced, nonverbal uh, connectiveness uh, would happen. But you're kind of saying you yeah, might want to reverse I'm, I'm, that. I'm raising a danger sign. <laughs> yeah, or focus on it, right? At least bring it to the top of mind that you've got to reach them with more than just your words because everyone else is going to have similar words. Right, and the chances are very good that you're already quite adept at the content. You already know how to talk about these things quite well. Maybe what you're not as strong on is how to engage people, how to reach them emotionally, how to feel comfortable in their presence, how to make them comfortable, how to be accessible so people can ask questions and feel like something is going on in this room that you're sharing. And that is, that's a wonderful thing if that can happen. And that's one of the things that I think takes ordinary presentations and brings them up into the memorable. I totally agree. And that's the same thing about a, a simple conversation with you and your spouse. It doesn't have to be like a profoundly rich verbal exchange always. It can it, it can just be that we felt like they were really listening and they smiled and we smiled and they connected and their eyes widened when ours widened. I mean, it's, it's just yes. so simple. Yes. How often do we hear that um, two, two old friends – are so comfortable in each other's presence that they don't need to say anything. Oh, I wish we all could do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just... There's, there's no need for content because, in, in essence, the content is the relationship. The oh. relationship is the content. And that is succeeding at the very deep, very personal, and quite emotional level where real influence, the, the most profound type of influence occurs. I love that. That's intimacy. That's right. And the intimacy is really what is the return on investment. I mean, that's what's going to sell it is the fact that we connected on that deeper level. Yes. And when we speak in public, we have to understand that we are going to be exposed and we're going to be vulnerable. But we need to be because if that intimacy is going to occur and if people are going to respond to us and open up themselves to us, we have to model the way and open to them. And that's why things like open body language versus closed body language and just accepting the fact that you are vulnerable when you're in front of a lot of people and you can't hide. As soon as you try to hide, you're using your energy for that and you won't be as easily able to reach people. And to just accept that you are unique and not to try to be another type of speaker, because you right. will fail. If you try to be them, they will fail if they try to be you. Every person is unique, and the chances are very good that you are giving that presentation or speaking out at this meeting, because you are exactly the right person to do this. Not the next person, right. but you. And nothing is going to harm you from this. Public speaking is not a dangerous situation, but we... We, our minds become tricked into believing that it is a dangerous situation. And maybe but that's because... Oh, I was just going to say, we do that because we learned to public speak when we were young and it was scary. 
where we didn't That's have right. context we were and insight. In formative and, years, and yeah. and there is there is a certain level of anxiety and activation involved. Sure. That, but a little of it is good, of course, because it psychs us up for the big game. Totally. Wow, I love it. Dr. Gary Gennard is, has joined us. So appreciate it. Love it. You need to go check out his website, publicspeakinginternational.com. He's got a blog there as well. Um, he, he really, you can tell, knows his stuff. And I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you, Dr. Gennard. We're for sure going to have you back because we need more help. We need more help. <laughs> This has been fun, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoy listening to your show, and you you do a great job, and it's it's a real honor for me to to, uh, to appear here with you. Thank you. And again, check out his book as well, How to Give a Speech and Fearless Speaking, The Proven Method for Overcoming Speech Anxiety and Presenting with Confidence. Great stuff. Dr. Gary Gennard, so appreciate you again. We'll be back to wrap up the show a little bit uh, more. We're going to give you a little quiz, I think, at the end of the show here about social intelligence. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. There are several ways to listen to BYU Radio. You can tune in to Sirius XM Channel 143. You can catch the live stream on BYURadio.org. And now you have our newest option for listening, the BYU Radio app. Our iOS app is free and has access to the live stream and the program schedule. So get on your iPhones and iPads and download the free BYU Radio app now. Talk about good. A double feature to bring home to the family, I'm Rod Gustafson. Celebrating his 15th anniversary, Disney's Mulan, released in Blu-ray high definition in March, along with a direct-to-video sequel, Mulan 2. In this adventurous tale of a spirited young girl, Mulan determines to defend her family's name when a countrywide draft is issued. But while pretending to be a man, she fears she will be found out. Excuse me, where do I sign in? Ah, I see you have a sword. I have one too. They're very manly and tough. I'm working on it. Who am I fooling? going to take a miracle to get me into the army. Mulan 2 continues the story, but with far less finesse. Animated violence will be the biggest concern for parents in this G-rated Blu-ray combo pack. That's right, both movies in one box. Get more details on both Mulan and Mulan 2 at parentpreviews.com. Not a morning person? Well, then you obviously aren't listening to The Morning Show with Marcus Smith and the team. They can get any day off to a good start. Tune in for intriguing interviews, today's top stories, and a few laughs in between. Hey there, <laughs> The Morning Show. Break a leg. <laughs> now, now, The Morning Show. Join us weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern for The Morning Show here on BYU Radio. Talk about good. For regular updates on BYU Radio programming, follow BYU Radio on Twitter. Just search for BYU Radio, hit follow, and enjoy our tweets on news, live updates on shows, and much more. Talk about good. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping it up. The, uh, you know, what better way to wrap up the show than to go out to the interweb and see what the interweb, a.k.a. Internet, has to teach us 
about uh, relationships and being socially intelligent. So, That's great advice. Does it have some? Yeah. Let's hear it. I'd love okay. to hear it. So, and I want to get your commentary. Well, you know, this, I'm a because... doctor, so I can hardly wait. So in the wisdom of <laughs> Dr. Matt. Dr. Matt. Yes. How good is this advice for interpersonal communication, nonverbal yeah. communication, getting along at work and in your day-to-day? Here's one here. Cracking your knuckles releases carbon dioxide trapped inside joint cavities. Oh, sure. Because that sounds like a healthy thing to do, you should crack your joints often, several times an hour, all day, especially at the office. Brilliant advice. That's why they call you the Kraken. <laughs> the Kraken. You know what? Nothing worse than a guy that's just cracking every The knuckles are one thing, but when someone starts torquing their neck around and you hear all these pops, not good. Or their hips. You know, if your hips are popping, you're, you're near dead. Just a little friendly note. So, yeah, you shouldn't be cracking your knuckles for out, those of you out there that think that'll get you a job. Nowadays, most of us drive Japanese cars. Now, in Japan, prolonged eye contact is considered rude. By connection, therefore, it's polite to never make eye contact while speaking with a coworker. Yeah, that's a very far reach. That was a bridge too far. You should still look at them, but only when you're in your Japanese car. In business and in platonic friendships, standing too close to someone can make them feel uncomfortable. (laughs) Standing too far away can make you seem detached and uncaring. Like Sky. Since it's more important for people to know you care, always stand two inches away from people. No. No. You, see, Sky, you knew that one. I knew that one. That's, remember, well, you remember why you learned that? That's called an arrest warrant. <laughs> Do you remember? That's when they put the 50 no. 50 feet away. Yeah, the, the yeah. order, and you can't. So Sky learned that the hard way. <laughs> you can be too close to somebody, and they can file charges. If a meeting is very important to your boss, odds are your boss is probably stressed out. Showing up late helps take the pressure off because it shows your boss that you're not taking the meeting too seriously. Yeah, no. I'd say that's a no. Also, just because you have a really good excuse for why you're late, and even if you may be missing a limb, not a good excuse. Be on time and bring your limbs. Next time, Townsend, be here early. Be here early. In a social gathering, introducing a new guest to the crowd can put the spotlight on her and can make your guest feel awkward. (laughs) So you're better off just letting her hang out by herself near the punch bowl so she can meet people organically on her own, in her own time. Madison just rolled her eyes on that one. (laughs) I do. And actually, it's because I make an effort for whenever I bring someone that doesn't know everyone. Okay, yeah. I introduce them like, oh, hello, this is my friend, Matt. Okay. Now, let me ask you, because this is an important thing. Okay. What if you don't know their name? But you're in a situation where you need to introduce them, and you don't know their name. That happens to me almost daily. Me too. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and so what do you do there, smarty pants? Have a better memory, first of all. A. Switch your brain out for another one. B12. Okay. B. Okay. What else? What um, do you do? Because like, I, I get in this a lot because I, I know someone generally. I may have met him somewhere, but I don't know him. You know, here's like. I know it starts with an L. 
Okay, here's the fail-safe, or I don't know what's the correct term for that, but you go to introduce them and you go, oh, hey, this is Sunna, and then you go, and this is, and you kind of give them, and you're like, blah, 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 brain, oh my goodness, sorry, I can't believe I I totally just blanked, and then say, I know you, I don't. and it'll be like, oh, I'm... I just don't introduce them. I just like, yeah, you guys will figure it out. (laughs) I wait, and if my wife, if I haven't formally introduced somebody, then my wife knows she needs to step in, and she'll say, oh, no, what's your name? Oh, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. The worst, though, I, I had a friend. I've had, he's been my friend for a couple years now, and I, can, I still can't remember his name. And so I've, I've had situations like this where, where I like, if it's somebody like that that I know I should know, I'll take somebody that I do know. And I'm like, hey, Scott, I'm going to figure this out. For yeah, me. I'm going I'm to introduce you to this guy. Be sure to ask his you name. You know what you could do, too? Just You could say, hey, buddy. Hey, man. That's hey, what I do pal. when I don't know someone's name. Hey, hey man. Friend. How's it going? Hey, stud. I'm and a lady. One final bit of advice from the internet here for yes, you, Yes, Robbie. You're at a restaurant. You get a call. When you get that call, you're better off not excusing yourself and stepping out in the hallway. No. Just hunker down with your phone and your food and finish your call because your friends at the table are better off overhearing half your conversation than hearing no conversation at all. Okay, no, that's a wrong. That's wrong. What you do is you send the call to voicemail and then you forget to go back and call that person back, <laughs> a.k.a. Matt Townsend Move 94. <laughs> I don't know what to do. So I don't leave. I mean, I actually leave. I'd walk away from the table if I had to take the call. But I would have tried to have told people before, hey, you know, I have a call coming that's really important. It's from Skyboy's parole officer. We're trying to get him out tonight. And so <laughs> if I have to take this and run, I'm really sorry, but I'm doing it for Skyboy. I'd appreciate that, Matt. See? That that's what lot. got you out last night, my friend. <laughs> because I'm looking after you. So there's the show. Uh, one rule, obviously, just listening to some of the advice given by uh, Robbie is that, you know what, stay away from the internet. Uh, Nothing good there. Um, As far as learning skills to be more socially strong and effective, what you might want to do, though, is keep listening to the radio show, the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to bring you tools every single day uh, of the week to give you a leg up in our relationships, hopefully help you have smarter life and a smarter relationship Join us again tomorrow, folks. Hey, on the way out, will you you take some of the advice that we've learned today from Dr. Gary Gennard uh, and maybe just start worrying a little bit more about connection and a little bit more or a little bit less about yourself in your conversations. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.